0: Welcome to the O.A. Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Terrell. Terrell. Hi, I'm Terrell. I'm a compulsive over Hi, Terrell. Did anyone notice Mickey's voice changed when he s- spoke for the podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: let's see. I get to qualify first. Uh, my top weight is somewhere around 325 pounds, and I have 34 years of abstinence. So. This January 6th, by the grace of God, I was 35. That's kind of freaking amazing, you know. Um, though I was told when I was, like, saying, like, in a couple of weeks or, like, a month or whatever, I'd have a certain amount of time, and the old timer kind of yanked my chain and said, don't you ever belittle the amount of time that you have by saying, well, in, in three weeks, I'm going to have that much time, that every minute I... I have to be an absent is a blessing and a grace. Um, so let's see, quick little brief, what was it like, what happened, who am I now? I feel like a lot of people in this room have heard my story so many times, I feel like just going like, questions? <laughs> it's just, I mean, you know, you've been around long enough, you speak enough, people hear your story enough, you kind of go like, I get bored with it, I'm sure you get bored with it, says, here we go again. Um, I was born, you know, <laughs> and it, it's that's instrumental in my disease. Um, <laughs> maybe not that I was born, but who I was born into was the family I was born into. Um, I was born into this dysfunctional alcoholic family that had heroin heroin addiction, compulsive spending, um, just. I mean, does it, it, alcoholism, did I, um, compulsive overeating, just, you know, from the get-go, all I knew how to deal with life was to eat. I discovered a fudge sickle at age four, and it made my life better. And I didn't have those tools that I hear other people have, where I listen to my normie friends, and uh, I always say this, there are normal people out there. If you, divide, if you go with that party line and says, oh, no one's normal, oh, yes, they are. Not but not if not you're not in your disease, you don't like them. Mm. They make you feel less than, they make you feel worse than, they make you feel like you become superior because you don't like the fact that they, they just seem to handle life in life's terms. It makes you crazy. So we avoid normal people when we're in our disease. But there are normal people out there. I seem to find a whole group of them now that I associate with, and it's kind of nice. The healthier I get, the healthier my friends get. Um, But anyway, so what happened was, I I mean, it was... I I didn't have these tools for living. I mean, I really did not have any tools for living. And there was this... You know, I hear modern terms of... I didn't feel safe, abandonment, um, all this type of stuff that all I know is... uh, My stepfather was saying... You know, I'm going to throw you and your fat-ass kids out of my house. I remember hearing, you know, Cheryl the Barrel, don't go too near Niagara Falls. I remember hearing, you know, just the ridicule. Going, coming home and crying from the, from the school because it was so hard. And not having a family there to, to welcome me back and go like, I'm sorry. You know, back then it was called, I don't know if it was called bullying, but I was bullied because of my weight. Because um, I was a little uncoordinated because I didn't wasn't in connection with my body. Um, maybe I might have been a little effeminate. I turned out to be gay, but I don't know if that was. But there was one the thing, you know, I was picked on, just in mercilessly. And all I knew to do was to eat. I didn't. I didn't have any other tools. I mean, I didn't know I would express it. I mean, if, if I expressed it to my mother, it was very clear it was a bother to her. That she was too busy trying to make to earn a living or whatever, it interfered with her life. Um, and all I did was eat. That's all, it, that's all I needed to do. And you know, our literature said that we eat because we like the effect that it produces. And what food produced for me was this sense of that I could breathe and I could just literally go,
1: oh
0: God, oh God, I'm okay if I just have my food. And the problem with having, the, being a compulsory and having food is your addiction, and is your, your drug of choice. It's readily available. I could, I mean, it's within the pantry. Um, and I, it showed the wreckages of my disease, 325 pounds. It's not because I liked um, dried spaghetti, which is my binge food of choice because it was the only thing that was not counted in my house. Ice cream was measurable. Bread was measurable. Those things were measurable. And my, uh, my brother, who right now is probably about 300 pounds um, and probably about two inches shorter than I am, so where there was two of us in that, compulsive eaters in that house with non-compulsive eaters, eaters but an alcoholic fa- stepfather who would go in a week later wanting to find the ice cream that was in the refri- freezer from a week ago. And you got two compulsive eaters attacking that ice cream. Sneaking it, i got news for you. He would get very upset that there was no ice cream for him. I'm thinking, it was in there a week. What do you expect? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Seriously. It's in there a week. Like, after a week. You
1: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that everyone in this room kind of laughed, that means that you're a sneak eater. I mean, when, when we all raise our hand that says, I'm a compulsive over it means so much. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I have this abnormal relation with food. It has that means that I have an abnormal relationship with myself. That we're, I'm a perfectionist. I live in a black and white world. You don't treat me right. And there's not, there's not enough justice for all the wrongs that have been done to me. There's no way I can get mine. And what about me and my needs? And that's what we mean when we raise our hand and say I'm a compulsive over Sorry if you thought you're, you know, you just said you're coming here and said yeah, you got a little food problem. You might have a little food problem. You might. You might be a heavy eater, which means you don't use food to, to coach your feelings and and means you don't use food to make yourself to make make life beautiful. So life is beautiful. I mean that's what it kind of like. It just makes me. I mean that's what we did with food. And that's the reason why I believe that I never, I never yo yoed. I just gained weight. They told me when I was a kid that if you want to lose weight, push, away, push yourself away from the table. That was the best exercise. Push yourself away from the or do a push up away from the table. But why would I give that up? Why would I give up food? Give me a good reason why I would give up food. There is no good reason why I would give up food. Not when it's my comfort, my solace, my everything, why would I do that? Unless you give me something in exchange, because I'm not stupid. I needed something in exchange for what I was giving up. So even though the problem was becoming, the compulsive overdoing was becoming a problem in my life, and the, the, way, the fact that I weighed 325 pounds was a problem in my life, it was still the solution to the problem. So the solution to the problem was the problem, which caused another solution to the problem, which is the problem, which caused another solution to the problem, which is the problem. I didn't quite get that that the problem, the solution was the problem. I just knew that the solution made me feel better for right here, right now. That's all I needed right here, right now. I don't care about tomorrow. I don't care. I just, just got to feel better now. I just need to take the edge off now, Sounds like a heroin addict. But, you know, so be it. So, <clears throat> what happened? I came to um, Overs Anonymous when I was 17. Um, in 1973. I, uh, at my first meeting, there was this man. who said he lost 100 pounds and kept it off. And I believed him, which gave me hope. But there was all these steps. No. Not for me.
1: <laughs>
0: not for me. My sick, alcoholic parents needed the steps. But they, by the way, they had gone to AA and that's how I came into OA. My sick, alcoholic parents needed the steps. But not me. I just need to lose a little weight and get a few friends and life would be wonderful. Just lose a little bit of weight, become more popular, and life would be wonderful. You, um, you talked about God. I didn't, no. Not in my life. I know what God does. He, get, he makes me three hundred twenty-five pounds. He gives me sick alcoholic parents who drink and fight. He curses me for everything I ever thought and did, and I'm a horrible person at age 17. I think I'm the worst person on the planet, which um, I had never, I, well, I maybe robbed some candy, but I got caught at the liquor store. I was stealing from my mom's purse and coins, I lied just because I bought food. But I wasn't this horrible person. I hadn't killed anyone. I hadn't done anything that was irreparable. But I was the most God-awful person in the world. Probably had to do with the fact that I knew I was gay at a very early age, and therefore, as raised Baptist, I knew that God hated me. And therefore, there was no reason for me to even try to become friends with God because God was going to scorn me. Um, Because I couldn't stop the thoughts. The, um, but you offered me a food plan, also. It was on a gray sheet of paper. And that food plan worked quite well. I lost uh, five, uh, 30 pound, I mean, 125 pounds in about five months. Well, maybe 150 pounds in about five months. And it was a really great experience, because there I am, I'm, eating, I'm binging, then I go to Two Eggs and an Orange for breakfast. I'm working on a shipping and loading dock, lifting mag rims, being very physically active, and the weight just falls off of me. I was going to a meeting a week for moral support, but once again, I didn't need the steps. I asked some woman to be my sponsor. She said yes at the break, but then afterwards she said, her, she came to me and said, her sponsor said she had too many, so she couldn't do it. So I knew about rejection, so I, I would to you know, reject me once, I don't ever come back. Um, and so, I had all these newfound feelings and emotions because I was thin and people were paying attention to me and I got coptitude. Like, how dare you? You didn't pay attention to me when I was 325 pounds, now you're talking to me. What's wrong with you, people? And so I got this resentment and I got grateful for like, that I was thin and I, had, I went out. You know, that's what happens to a compulsive leaders if they're not working on a 12-step program and they've got emotions and feelings. There's nothing. We have no choice. We, we, we start binging again or whatever it is, whether you start restricting, whether you start, you let eat less, whatever it is with your, that abnormal relationship with food that will take my brain away from where it am right here, right now, and go someplace that says, oh, well, I'm, once I can become thin, then everything's wonderful. Maybe if I just get that donut, then I'm going to get my donut. Then my mind goes all these other places besides focusing in the present, because I think the present is too painful. So I, um, so I, I, I got back up to, 250 pounds. Came out of the closet. To eat over that. Vanity kicked in, so I started losing weight so I could lose some... me start being boys. It's amazing. You know, I always say the first time you get abstinent, you can get it for whatever reason you want. Get a man, lose a man, get a job, whatever. Wedding dress, prom, whatever. You can... That first time we can get abstinent... There's a lot of multiple reasons why. So if you lose that first one, the only reason we get is because we want, we want to know how good abs- we know how good absence feels. that so there's no other exterior force that's going to help me become abstain. It's, it's got to come from within. It's just because it just becomes — and I've seen it time and time again, where, you know, that first time, oh, it's so sweet. When you can get it and you go, like, you get that pink honeymoon and you go, like, oh, it's grand. life is grand. And if you're not working on a 12-step program, then what happens is life happens. And we have to go eat again. So, anyway, I got down to 160 pounds and maintained my weight on that by doing nothing but donuts. Um, I call it my donut diet.
1: <laughs> you know
0: anything all day long? Nine or ten donuts? You might have a salad for lunch. You never have breakfast. Um, breakfast was a waste, because there was still food left in my stomach from the night before. So why would you even bother? i got to make up for those calories that I consume way too much that's fresh in my memory from 12 hours ago or however long it was before I went to bed. So why would I even possibly think about having breakfast? Unless, of course, I had met some guy the night before and then I had all these emotions and feelings. I had nothing to do with those emotions and feelings. So I had to go eat, right? That's what we do. If I'm not working a 12-step program and i got emotions and feelings, what am I going to do? I'm going to go eat. That's what I do. I'm a compulsive overeater. um, So what happened that brought me back to program, um, I was maintaining my weight at 160 pounds, and a doctor told me that if I did not stop eating sugar, I'd be blind within a year. And I then put on 30 pounds in six weeks. And while I was binging my way through Europe, I remember thinking I can still see. When things start to go gray, that's when I'll stop. And that's where my disease takes me. I must always remember that my disease will take me to the point where I want to sacrifice my eyesight for one more bite of chocolate. And it doesn't mean it's one more, more... It's not because the chocolate tastes so good. It's because I'm a compulsive overeater and that means I need to take care of these notions and feelings that I have because I'm not working a 12-step program. If I'm not working a 12-step program, I must eat again. There is no choice. I have th- I've got this dichotomy in my life or whatever this... Two choices. Work a 12-step program, deal with my emotions and feelings, put it down on paper, share about it, work a 12-step program, and maintain a normal body weight and don't overeat. Or don't work a 12-step program. Life comes at me because we, every day we have a life. There's emotions that are going to happen, and I must binge. Those are my two choices. It's very clearly laid out for me in my program. This way I believe the twelve-overeaters easonomers puts it. I must binge if I do not work this cluster program. Sooner or later. It might not happen that first day. It might not happen the first week. It might not happen the first month. But sooner or later, I'll make that ultimate sacrifice. As our literature says, sooner or later, there'll come a time where that mental blank spot comes to me that goes like, oh, hell with it. What difference does it make? Right? So, after praying 30 pounds in six weeks, and that's also the reason why I know that that what I say at the podium doesn't mean a whole lot. Because what I say, and what you hear two different things, because this woman came up to me once after I, um, at a, came up to me after a meeting and said, I really want to thank you. Because of you, I've stained through Europe. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I kept saying in my, in my head, if Cheryl can have seen in Europe, I can have seen in Europe. If Cheryl can have seen in Europe, I can have seen in Europe. I didn't have the heart to tell I put on 30 pounds.
1: <laughs> because, you know,
0: but that, what I say is what you take and what you interpret in your own life. Which keeps me very humble because if I think I'm really hot stuff, it's like, yeah, and I gained 30, you abstain because I gained 30 pounds, even though you don't remember that. So, I came back to, I came back to anonymous in 1979, actually 1978 beaten, 30 pounds heavier, humiliated, didn't call the guy I was dating, because how do you show up with, with this guy that I've been dating, 30 pounds heavier, and go, oh, yeah, the food is really good,
1: you know, <laughs> shame,
0: total shame. And so I, um, I, beca- I, be- I called my sister, who was in OA at the time, and I said, I need to dry out. We didn't have eating disorder units. We just kicked sugar. That's all we did. We would just kick sugar. I said, sis, I tried kicking sugar in Europe. I did. I, I tried. Got sick. Physically ill. I said, I just need to kick sugar. And she said, I've got company at my house, but I'll take you to a meeting on, on uh, Sunday. And this is like a Friday. I knew what to do. I got the big book out, and I started reading the big book cover to cover. Literature works. So I, I went to my first meeting, and the, my first meeting, this man was a moderate mealer. But well, see, I can't come back to Overs Anonymous because I, I have that gray sheet of paper. I can't do that gray sheet of paper. I'm too like, busy. I just don't have time. I'm like, I can't do that. Just met a moderate mealer. Well, I'm a guy. You know, when I came in over Overs Anonymous, it was all housewives. It was a guy leading the meeting and had some time. Well, I'm gay, so that I can't, I can't do over Anonymous because they don't like gays in over over Anonymous kind of find out there's a meeting every night at the K and Lesbian Community Service Center. It's amazing the stories I come up with to keep me from my recovery. It's amazing what my projections of what I think is the truth when in reality. I always say one of my favorite things is I love I love it when God proves me wrong. You know, I just love it when God God proves me wrong. So I I came back to Overseas Anonymous, and I became an active member. I started going to Gay and Lesbian Community Service Center every night, got a fellowship, just became a really good member of Overviews Anonymous, got a sponsor, um, started sponsoring someone. And three months in, I went to my sponsor, and I said, you know, I'm sick and tired of them, these rooms full of fat-ass people. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat, what I can and cannot eat. On a Friday night, i we went to be out dancing with the boys in Palm Springs. And we I do not want me to be sent to some damn meeting at Cedar Sinai Hospital called Thalians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and I was ready to leave. I mean, I, I had left. I'm done with you folks. The bottom line is, I don't want to be you folks. I don't want to be a compulsive reader. So if I don't associate with you, I'm not one. Right? That's the bottom line. If I don't associate with you, I'm not one. So I, so I left my sponsor. Oh, my sponsor said some magic words. And I always like to pass these on. He said, Cheryl, remember, you're leaving us. We're not leaving you. If you ever want to come back, we'll be here. My compliments thank you for sharing.
1: <laughs> and I remember
0: driving home from my sponsor, going, okay, God, you and me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, eat. to hell with ovaries and omelets. I'm going to eat what I want, when I want. We're going to go have a good time. We're just going to go have a life. I'm sick and tired. I haven't had a life all my life. And now I'm going to get, I've got this body. I'm going to go have a life. And uh, two weeks later, I wound up eating two pieces of toast on January 5th, 1979, and that's my last binge. And as I always say, if I knew it was going to be my last binge, I would have done better. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't know. By right. two pieces of toast, and this mental obsession came back. You know that mental obsession that says, "How much do I weigh? Oh my God! Well, I'm going to go to the donut stand. I'm going to get the donuts. I can't get the donuts because if I get the donuts, then it's going to make me crazy. Then, but, but I'm going need the donuts because I've never been in this donut stand before. So I gotta go. To the donuts It's pink. I love pink donut houses. <laughs> I, I got to go. <laughs> oh my God! I'm going to gain weight. How much weight am I going to gain? I'm going to gain, I'm gonna gain. I'm gonna weigh so much weight. I'm like, oh my God! I'm going to hate myself. Oh my God! I'm going to do a binge in the morning. I'm going to hate myself in the morning. Oh my God! What am I going to do? Two pieces of
1: toast. <laughs> Two pieces of
0: toast. And so I got scared. And I pulled the covers over. I went to bed and pulled the covers over my head. And I started praying and said, God, please help me. I cannot do it one more time. I cannot do it one more time. Please help me. I had nothing to do with weight. That that had nothing to do with weight. It had to do with that craziness I just mentioned. And that was at half speed and not nearly as vindictive and hateful as it was. I cannot live my life one more day with so much self hatred, with so much oh, that where my brain takes me when I'm not working a 12 step program, where my brain wants to go. And if I, my brain goes there, I have no choice but to eat. I have no choice but to eat. To shut that thing down, that's what food did. That's the reason why I like the effect of food. It shuts it down. So, the next day I uh, called my sponsor and I've been back ever since. And it's been a wild ride. It's been, you know, 34 years. 34 years. So if you think about it, I got absent when Jimmy Carter was president.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: at, 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 uh, um, at the birthday party, which you're all going to go to, right? Yes. You're going to go to the birthday party. Um, not just for you, but maybe for someone else that you might run into there that you sit with and talk to. Maybe just to show up that, yes, there is an L.A. intergroup and that we are vibrant and that we do have a a birthday party that we – and also maybe just to support our intergroups so that we can pay our bills because if we don't have a birthday party, we don't pay our bills, and there's very possibly if there's not enough volunteers, we don't pay our bills. Then we're going to shut down the L.A. intergroup office. Then we'll be like other intergroups where it's going to be by – God knows, we'll have to fire someone or, you know, fire our, our person who works there. Anyway, I digress. Um,
1: no, no, I'm not, not. Yeah, I
0: worked I sit on the LA Intergroup board, that's why I didn't know <laughs> about it. Um, this this uh, we're changing the Sunday night format or Saturday night format. There's not gonna be a dance, seems like those just weren't popular anymore. And then there's always this whole thing about like, well, do we play this music or that music? Do we do this or do we that? So now we're gonna have an old timers panel. So people over twenty five with twenty five years twenty-five years or more. There's about ten of us that's going to be up there speaking. And I was going to call it Dinner with the Old Folks. <laughs> but, yeah, Jimmy Carter was president. <laughs> um, anyway, let's see. So, I've been through so much, absolutely. Do you understand? I mean, 34 years, I moved to Texas, moved back from Texas. My sister died, who was the most important person in my life, who my world revolved around. She died when I was 20-something years absent, Crushed me, wound up in the fetal position on my bedroom floor. Um, then I was HIV positive back when you thought it was going was a death sentence, where I really thought I was going to die maybe next month, maybe two months from now, but didn't know how, how long I had to live. Um, family members I, You know, just uh, got fired from a job. The most difficult thing for me, though, is when I pick up, make a phone call to some guy I just met and said, Hi, this is Terrell. We just met uh, last night. Can I give you a call? Give me a call. That will make me eat more than anything else in the world. When my grandmother died, I knew I couldn't bring her back to life. I knew it was it was like, okay. But when I made myself vulnerable to this man who I didn't know, who was just... I was exposing myself and he had the power to take my breath away because he, I give him that power. That makes me want to eat more than anything. And I've had to walk around the floor and shake it off. Just shake it off. There's so much that life has to offer. And the wonderful thing about this program is that what this program has given me it has given me that sense of relief and that breath that I now find so comforting that we call prayer meditation, which don't get all crazy about like, oh my God, i got to do this whole night. I mean, if you're like me, what's the right position? How long do I do it? Oh, i got to get this perfect because i got to be perfect because if I'm perfect, then it's going to be I'm going to have this perfect absence and I'm going to be the perfect OA member and then everything's going to be perfect <laughs> and I've got control of my life and everything's good. But this program has taught me self acceptance. I accept myself where I am, who I am. I'm a compulsive reader. I've got issues. Some are, some stick with me, some don't. Things have gotten better, some don't. Oh well, where am I gonna graduate to? I'm gonna float out of the top of and Anonymous, I've seen it happen. You know, just you know. I'm here. I'm here to work a twelve step program, which means I work the twelve steps best my ability every day. I write inventories. Not so much anymore. When I was younger, you know, my teens, tens, oh, one through five, seven through ten, you know, there's a lot to write about, a lot to write about. I still sometimes write when things come up. Uh, read, read the literature, oh God, you should see my big book, just, it's my third or fourth one, just, you know, highlighted, underlined, or, oh my God, I'll try pencil because I really want to remember this part, I don't remember this part, um, you know, service, doing meetings, all the tools, all the steps, can get me to this point where now, where I just go, <sighs> oh, okay. Now, isn't that funny? That's what I wanted from food. That's what I tried to get from food. Was that feeling of comfort. I tried so hard to get that from food. And I tried to get enough food in my stomach, but I, my stomach didn't couldn't hold that much food to give me that sense of life is good. So the reason why I've been able to stay for 34 years is because you gave me something in its place. You gave me something to exchange for food. And what you gave me for food is a hell of a lot better, a hell of a lot less caloric, <laughs> and so much more permanent. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, I think I'm going to open up for questions. All right. <laughs> the question was: uh, I didn't. I was disconnected from God as a child. When did I develop this relationship from God? At what point? My relationship with God has constantly changed throughout the throughout the years. Um, when I was relatively new, I had a spiritual awakening. There's no angels. I didn't have visions. But I felt the small a voice come over me that said, I'm going to be okay. I have as much right to be here as that tree. mean as a person in my life, I didn't feel like I was breathing your air. evolved. It got less than. Evolved. Went to ask spirit outside help. Had a Hindu guru. Had, I mean, done yoga. I mean, done uh, meditation class. I mean, I've gone outside, gone inside, gone everywhere. Nowadays, if you ask me, I'm an atheist. Don't believe in God. Full-fledged. I believe in a higher power. The higher power of this room. The higher power of working on a 12-step program. But a deity or a God that I can say, oh, get me that parking spot? No. My higher power now, I should probably talk about it, is that I believe that, that my human... I have two choices today. Do I turn my will and my life over the care of my human ego? Or do I turn my will and my life over the care of my higher power? My human ego is based upon fear, anxiety, small, less than. What about me and my needs? My higher power is based upon love, trust, faith, understanding, tolerance. Um, Whenever I turn my my will, my life over the care of love, faith, tolerance, trust, things will get better. My life gets better. If it doesn't, if the physical realm doesn't get better, at least my attitude about it gets better. Because one thing that you folks told me from the very beginning, it's an inside job. It's, don't look outside. If you look outside to fix you, you're never going to find it. I've had a man; he didn't fix me. I've had a nice car; it didn't fix me. I had, you know, I've had, I've had lots of things in my life—money, marbles, and chocolate—all disappears. It just all disappears. down the same car I had in nineteen eighty. done the same car in nineteen ninety. Not living in the same apartment I did. Not, I mean, it all changes. The exercise I'm now having my sponsee, who is very much talking about physical things, I now make him, my head his inventory is now about. I want you to write your, on your im—your great gratitude list things that you cannot, that are not physical, that is not relying upon, oh, well, if I lose my hair, then I'm going to be unhappy. Or, oh, well, I have a home. Well, if you lose that, will you be unhappy? So you. And it's amazing, the shift, because I I actually did the shift myself, because I started thinking, like, yeah, what am I grateful for that is is immutable? The fact that I love, the fact that I feel loved, the fact that I have a 12-step program to my availability, the fact that there's a higher power in these rooms, I'm so grateful for that. And that will never go away. There's no physical, I mean, I could say for my health, well, I had a hip replaced. I was in such severe pain I was on the floor. You know, ugh, spoke at a birthday party in so much pain that I was in tears the entire time. So was I unhappy and that means my life can't excel and I can't be? No. And then I look at people that, oh, so, you, so you're in pain so that means you must have a, a bad spiritual life. Oh, you're, you know, oh, you don't have a nice house so that's something wrong with you. Why don't you, you know? No. I, that's my higher power today. That's my God. Immutable things that I'm grateful for. Another question? Oh, that's it? Okay, thank you.